Uh, we've been studying uh, the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to continue today doing that. I'll read the passage again. I know we've read this many times. It's good for us to hear uh, Scripture read out loud. Uh, it's good for our souls. It's God's Word, remember. This is God's Word, breathed out Word of God, and it's good for us. This is, there is, there's, a, there's a real encounter with God in, in God's words. Uh, and so we believe this is his, uh, the, the absolute final word of God to us. This is, this is it. Uh, so when we read it out aloud together, uh, this is a moment for us to really ask for God's help. So let's pray before we do that. Father, we thank you for your word. We, we thank you. It's something for us to stand on, for us to live by, to believe in. Thank you, Lord God. It's something that you preserve for us through the centuries. And Father, we pray as we turn to your word now, by your Holy Spirit, you would bring it alive to us. Thank you that it is a living word. But we pray in our own lives, our own experiences, our hearts, our, the seat of our decision-making, Father, that this word would have an effect on us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to read from uh, Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 5. This is the passage about the Lord's Prayer. And when you pray... Don't be like those hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. When your Father who sees what is done in secret, he will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep babbling like the pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Today we're going to be looking at verse 12. Forgive us our debts or our sins as we forgive those who are in debt to us or those who have sinned against us. If you, uh, if you ever travel internationally, and I think it's one of the, the joys of life in the 21st century, then there are a lot of things you've got to consider, you've got to think about, lots of preparation to be done. There's the flights, the passports, there's the visas. How am I going to get there? Uh, what do I need to do once I arrive? Now, I've waited in some pretty long immigration queues, different parts of the world, hoping that I've got everything I need when I get to the window at the front. Usually it's a bunch of money for a visa and it's uh, all kinds of other things that you might or might not know that you need. Uh, mostly that's gone well. Uh, sometimes it's a bit of a challenge when you get to the little window and you try and explain yourself in a language, well, they're trying to hear you in a language that's not their mother tongue. So that's a bit of a challenge. But one of the things you have to think about is like, well, I'm through the immigration, I'm into the country, now then, what's the culture? Because if you want to get anything done, you need to understand the culture of this new country you found yourself in. Uh, one of the things we, we found living in Southern Africa for a few years was a, a simple thing like a handshake. Now, for, for us, for us Englishmen, a firm handshake is what you're after, isn't it? That's what you want. And what we find, found in some of the cultures uh, that we, we, we were in in Southern Africa was that is aggressive. That's an aggressive thing to do. So, so the thing that we think is a really good opening is actually an aggressive thing to do. So I've been aggressive, and I thought I was being friendly. Uh, you need to understand the culture if you're going to get on in the country that you find yourself in. Now, forgiveness is the culture of this kingdom. 
that we find ourselves in, this kingdom we've been hearing about even in the last few weeks. So we pray your kingdom come, and, and as our lives are, are part and parcel of this kingdom, we need to understand this about this kingdom. I mean, imagine, imagine the cure Aldi next week, someone in front of you is trying to pay with Japanese yen or with the Canadian dollars. It's like, you don't understand how it works. It's not going to work because you don't understand the culture. That's, this is not, it's not how we do things. And God's kingdom has a way of doing things, and forgiveness is part and parcel of that kingdom. Jesus instructs his disciples and us to pray, and he tells them that a regular aspect of their prayer life is to ask forgiveness from God and to offer forgiveness to others before God. This is going to involve thinking through our days, reflect on how our days have gone, for instance, and considering our actions and motives, uh, and where we've fallen short, bringing those things to God for forgiveness. It's also going to involve releasing those who have offended us and consciously releasing them uh, to God uh, and from our own kind of judgment. And in fact, it moves on further than that. It moves to asking blessing on them where we might have actually resented them. That's what it's going to involve. And to tell this story more fully, Jesus actually told a parable. How does forgiveness work? How does that kind of relationship between the forgiveness we might receive and the forgiveness we might offer, how does it work? And he told this parable, a parable of the unmerciful servant. It's found in Matthew chapter 18. I want to read a little bit of it to you. Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister uh, who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I'll tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. And Jesus isn't literally saying 77 times. It's like some people say 70 times seven. It's like for us saying a million times. He's really saying you just keep doing it. It doesn't stop. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that his, he and his wife and his children, that all he had, be sold to repay the debt. As his servant uh, fell on his knees before him, be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay you back everything. The servant's master took pity on him and cancelled this huge debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a few hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. This fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown in prison until he could pay the debt. And the other servants saw what had happened. They were outraged. I went and told their master everything that had happened. And the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I cancelled uh, your, uh, your, all the debt that you, of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in his anger, the master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all that he owed. Peter's talking to Jesus because Jesus is talking about forgiveness. And Peter says, seven times? Like he's thinking, he's probably thinking as Peter would, Peter was the big mouth of the disciples. You know, he's the one who opened his mouth just to change feet 
usually, and he's saying seven times, thinking this is a great act of generosity on my part. And actually, it was kind of rabbinical law that you'd, you'd forgive between three and six times. So Peter, there, there, there is some sense in what Peter's saying. He's saying more than the rabbis tell us, more than the teachers tell us, seven times. That would be very generous, he thinks. And, and, but what he is thinking, he's thinking, well, I want to be generous, but surely forgiveness is limited. Clearly, there's a limit to this. No one would possibly assume that we would just keep on and on forgiving. And Jesus told this parable in response to Peter's kind of, this, you know, Peter's thinking, this is what generous forgiveness looks like. And Jesus says, no, this is what generous forgiveness looks like and how it relates uh, to forgiving other people. So who are you in the story? That's always good to ask that of the parable. So you are and I am with the first servant. We are the servant who owes the impossible debt. And this is hundreds of bags of gold. Again, in our way of our language, we would say millions of pounds. An impossible debt. You owe, I owe, an impossible debt to God. And Jesus is saying that's the truth of the situation. That's, that's how we start. We owe God an impossible debt. Now, you might respond to me telling you that and saying that's what the Bible says to saying, I don't feel like I do. Don't feel like I owe God anything, thank you very much. In fact, I feel just fine. Well, let me say, you're in good company if you feel that, because neither did the guy. This man who owed an impossible debt, it seems, it seems he paid no regard to it at all until he's brought before the king to settle his accounts. So you might feel like, you might just feel, well, I don't owe anything. It doesn't change the fact that you actually do. And I think someone was praying earlier, just the fact that you don't live in accordance with God and with who he is, is enough. It's a debt that we owe him. The Bible says that we have sinned and we fall short of God's glory. It's a righteousness, it's a perfection that God demands that we can't possibly owe and we, th- we can't possibly pay. We think, well, how could we possibly do that? Well, the story will unfold and we'll find out how it does get paid. But it's true that we owe it nonetheless. There's a second thing that we might consider if we feel that we don't owe anything, and actually the rest of the parable kind of unfolds it, and that is our ability and willingness to forgive others is also a, a, a kind of a monitor on our own heart's state of forgiveness. Um, and so you might think, well, I don't need forgiving. Well, how are you at forgiving others? Because that's a little watch, a little moment for us to reflect. In fact, it is a, it's kind of a pointer to the fact that you need forgiving yourself if you find forgiving other people very difficult. Because this, this man, this man who's forgiven much, he goes out and in, with, with shocking ruthlessness, he begins to throttle the man who owes him just a few coins. And of course, the, uh, the other servants think, uh, they see the injustice of it. They think, how, how could you be forgiven so much and yet you're not willing to forgive somebody else? How could that possibly be? And the point of the parable, of course, is that to truly understand forgiveness, to have truly received forgiveness, is to offer it freely to others around us. That's the point of the parable. It's like, that's that's how it works. And I would say that's, as we started, that's, that's what the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is a kingdom full of forgiveness. The air we breathe, the soil we grow in, as it were, every every metaphor you like, forgiveness is right there through all of it. And in that parable, helps us to understand it. So here's, I suppose, the million-dollar question. How are you at forgiving other people? How does it go with you? And I ask myself the same question. What's it like for me? And it's, un- it's quite uncomfortable sometimes. 
I've had to, I've had to think through some of my, wow, do you know what? Some things that happened to me many years ago, do you know, I'd still, it's still a battle. I still have to decide to do it. It's not like, well, I, I, would, I would do it if I feel like doing it. No, it's a decision that we make. Just like in the parable we see, it was, it's a decision that was made. It wasn't like, well, I just felt it and so it was okay. Something actually, actually had to happen. Somebody said this, unforgiveness is like drinking poison yourself and waiting for the other person to die. And it's a, I think it's a sensible quote, actually. It does feel that way. Actually, actually you, the, other, you know, the other person doesn't really suffer, but you suffer. God wants us free from that kind of torture. And forgiveness opens the door for that to happen. Now, there are dramatic examples of forgiveness that get reported from time to time exactly because of the problem that we've, that we've kind of pointed out. Is forgiveness is very difficult. So when we hear of a dramatic story of forgiveness, it stands out in our mind. It makes headline news. I'm going to read one such example to you from, uh, from Northern Ireland. And this is a story you may be familiar with if you're a little bit older. A uh, story of Gordon Wilson. And here, here's how the story goes. In, on the 8th of November 1987, a bomb planted by the IRA exploded during the Enniskillen Remembrance Day parade, injuring Wilson and fatally injuring his daughter, Marie, a nurse. The bomb was planted in a nearby building and timed to go off at 10.43 a.m., just before the ceremony was due to start. In an emotional uh, television interview uh, Wilson gave the BBC, only hours after the bombing, uh, brought him to national and international prominence as he described his later conversation with his dying uh, daughter as they both lay in the rubble. And William Urey wrote a book in 1999 called The Third Side, and this is the story of that, of that moment. In an interview with the BBC, Wilson described the anguish, uh, with anguish his last conversation with his daughter and his feelings towards her killers. She held my hand tightly and gripped me as hard as she could she said, Daddy, I love you very much. Those were her exact words to me, and those were the last words I ever heard her say. To the astonishment of the listeners, Wilson went on to add, but I bear no ill will. I bear no grudge. Dirty sort of talk is not going to bring her back to life. She was a great wee lassie. She loved her profession. She was a pet. She is dead. She's in heaven, and we shall meet again. I will pray for these men tonight and every night. And as historian Jonathan Barden recounts, no words in more than 25 years of violence in Northern Ireland had such an emotional impact as those words. It literally changed the atmosphere. An incredible moment of forgiveness. Now, we can react to a story like that two ways. We can react in wonder, but we might just react in horror. There really are two ways to think about such a dramatic story of forgiveness. And the extent to which we can offer forgiveness to others, as we said, is an indication either that we have understood our own desperate need for, for, for forgiveness and received it, or that we have no idea what any of this is about. And that's what this parable and this prayer is pointing us towards. George Herbert said this, He that cannot forgive breaks the bridge over which he must himself pass if he would ever reach heaven, for everyone is in need of forgiveness. And as we pray the Lord's Prayer, we're daily reminding ourselves that our forgiveness has been freely given. 
that we've been released from an impossible debt into a kingdom where forgiveness and all its benefits are the very air that we breathe. The fact that we can enjoy the presence of God is a demonstration of God's forgiveness. It's a demonstration that he is willing to pour himself out and he can only be where there is purity and perfection and he pours it out into us. Why? Because of, our, because of forgiveness. Because he has cancelled our debt. At the same time that that is happening, we are reminded that we are to share this act of forgiving with others, releasing them to enjoy the life that we are now enjoying. And the bread and wine that we'll take later are a reminder of the cost of that forgiveness. But what if, what if our response is horror? What if we're horrified that a father could forgive someone over the death of his daughter, the murder of his daughter? Well, according to the Lord's Prayer, this response is a sign that you need forgiveness yourself. Let's just mention what forgiveness isn't before we go on. Forgiveness isn't condoning the sin. It's not saying it, didn't, it doesn't really matter. Forgiveness is not just forgetting it. Actually, we can't forget things, really. I mean, not until you get as old as me, then you do forget things. But when we, when we hear, oh, forgive and forget, that's not really possible. That's not how you've been made. Uh, you can't really forget things. And actually, when the Bible talks about what God has done with our sin, it doesn't say God forgets your sin. Again, that will be an impossibility. God knows everything. How could he forget your sin? But it says this, he chooses to remember your sin no more. It's a conscious choice to put it out, to put it away. And it's done now, and it's done then, and it's done for eternity. But it's not that you just forget sin. That's not what forgiveness is. It's not allowing the offender back into your life to do the same thing again. It's not that. And it's not allowing them back in, maybe, in the same way as before. It's not asking all of those things of you. But we might think, if it's horror is our response, we might think, well, what about justice? What about, where's the justice in that? Why isn't he crying out for justice for his daughter? Why, why not? And again, we need to look carefully at what we mean when we cry out for justice, as many of us do. Nothing wrong with justice, of course. But sometimes when we cry out for justice, what we actually mean is revenge. We say, give me justice. What we mean is, give me revenge. And this is, this is one of the very uncomfortable moments for me as I was preparing this. Because, uh, listen, you probably have the same experience. Sometimes we think, they hurt me, I want them to be hurt. Of course, I'm not going to do it. But what I do is I will play sometimes scenarios in my head where the person who's offended me or upset me, where they're humiliated or something bad happens to them, and I play those things through, little, little kind of little films, little cameos in my head. I think, oh, yeah, that's, I'd be pleased if that happens. I can see from your laughing. It's not just, I'm glad it's not just me, but it isn't just me. So when I call for justice, sometimes what I want is vengeance. I want revenge, and that isn't, sometimes our horror is because of that. And sometimes when we cry for, for justice, there's another thing to consider, because we cry justice, justice, but mercy for me. Justice for everybody else, but actually, I want mercy. And this is the kicker, isn't it? This is the thing. Uh, we can, with a powerful sense of righteousness, of our own actions, cry, justice, justice. And in the story, what do we find? God says, okay, let's start with you. And then we're like, no, I don't want justice. I want mercy and forgiveness. That's what I really want for me. And God says, you can't have it both ways. It can't be justice for everybody else and mercy for you can't just be forgiveness just for you. It's forgiveness is the kingdom that we live in. 
It's forgiveness amongst us. It's forgiveness to us from God and out from us as well. That's the kingdom that we live in. And if you're wondering at that, let me just tell you a little story that might help. It's a silly example. You're driving along, as I was the other day, in the busy Bristol traffic. Isn't it fun? Especially on a wet day, don't you love it? And there's some, there's some roadworks going on. It's like a hobby, isn't it, the roadworks? Like there's some, there's some roadworks going on, and so you're so inching your way forward, and then someone shoots up past you and pushes it in front of the car, and you're sitting there seething, thinking, selfish idiot, how can they possibly do that? I've been waiting, and they just push straight in. And then when I'm in a rush, or might make a mistake, or, you know, Actually, what I'm thinking is, well, I, I, I needed to get there. Of course I had to push it in front. I've got, do you see what I mean? It's justice for everybody else. It's mercy and understanding and forgiveness for me. And we need to be careful when we cry justice, just exactly what we're asking. Sometimes we need to cry mercy, forgiveness for everybody. Forgiveness is then, forgiveness is revoking our right for vengeance and revenge. Saying, I... I'm, I'm taking my hands off. I'm, I'm releasing this person to God. I'm trusting that it's in God's hands and it, God will deal with it. And that's the promise of God. It's mine to avenge, says the Lord. It's mine. And it's also choosing to seek the good of that person rather than that revenge that we might feel very deeply. Now, when the king in the parable forgave the servant, where did the debt go? Where does it go? Well, the king, it doesn't just disappear, does it? It doesn't just sort of vanish. The king absorbs the debt himself. And if a debt is, is written off, it doesn't just disappear. We tend to think that. Sometimes we owe money to a big corporation or to you know, a big bank or something. We think, well, they could just absorb it. But it doesn't just disappear, does it? The king absorbs the debt, which is, of course, exactly what Jesus was doing on the cross, he, he is absorbing, he is paying our forgiveness, absorbing our sin into himself. He is making a way that forgiveness can be a culture of the kingdom. Why? Because he's absorbing the penalty for it. In 2 Corinthians, we read this. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God. And that's what's happening in that, happens in that parable. God says, I'll take it. I'll remove it from you. I'll pay the debt. I will open the door for forgiveness for you. And then what he's saying, and as we pray the Lord's Prayer, he's asking us, now open the door for others. Allow this forgiveness to flow from you as well as to you. Forgiveness frees us from this torture chamber of revenge and vengeance. In forgiving others, we're acknowledging our own understanding and need for forgiveness. And we're acknowledging our citizenship of the kingdom of God. We're saying, look, I'm, I, really, I really am part of this kingdom. Why? Well, because forgiveness is what this kingdom is about. And I'm sharing in that. And when we pray, forgive our debts, we're celebrating that we're part of that kingdom. And then we must do the next step, which is to extend that to others. So when we pray, your kingdom come. So that's why there are, you know, when we approach the table, as we come to communion a bit later on, what, what is that about? Well, what's that, what's that about? That is 
saying, yeah, I, I, I'm celebrating the forgiveness of God, celebrating shed blood and broken body that he gave himself for me. I'm celebrating it. And the Bible says, if you come to the table, you, you need to just forgive people before you, you get there. Don't hold, if you're holding something against someone, which is obvious, because wouldn't it be madness to have a celebratory meal where the theme is forgiveness, and for me to come to that meal holding grudges against others? That would be madness. How can I do that? And when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we're doing the same thing. We're saying, All right, forgive me my debts. Recognize my need for forgiveness. I recognize the debt I owe God. God is huge. And of course, because that forgiveness flows freely from God, of course, I'm going to let that flow out from me as well. Say, so it can be uncomfortable for us to consider these things, but it's important that we do. Let's pray. Father, I just ask for your help in these moments, Lord Jesus. Lord, these are weighty things for some of us. It can seem for some a bit trivial, but for others, this is weighty things. And Lord Jesus, we're not going to trivialize things that may have been done to us at all. But Father, we thank you that we have an understanding of the payment of an impossible debt that we owed. And Father, I pray that you'd bring us by your Holy Spirit's help to an understanding of how we can forgive those who have sinned against us. I pray, Father, this incredible kingdom of forgiveness, this kingdom of mercy, this kingdom of righteousness, we thank you that this is the kingdom that we pray would come and that we would embrace it with all our hearts, knowing that this is how the world is reached, how the gospel is preached and how we can help Bristol believe. In Jesus' name, amen.